Good morning, church family. We are Christine and Tim Hensiglou. We have been members of the church for 25 years, got married here, and raised our kids here. This week, we are talking about the stewardship of our time. When our kids were young, after meeting their needs, most of our time was filled with those have-tos, work projects, household chores, and if we were lucky, a nap. With both our kids currently in college, we find ourselves with more opportunities to fill the time with the get-tos. Regardless of our stage of life, we have firmly held that our time belongs to God and His call to follow Him. To that end, we have held a high priority towards spending our time on opportunities that allow us to serve others as well as build relationships with our church family and our community. For us recently, this has played out by participating in opportunities like Project Peace Service Days where we can serve others while working alongside other people. And in those longer term commitments we have, such as leading small groups and children's ministries and hanging out with students in the harbor, which we've done for the past 10 plus years. We certainly don't live that perfect timed managed life, but holding to these values and saying yes, as much as possible to the opportunities God has placed before us has played an important role in helping our family grow in our relationship with him. Now, hear God's word from these passages in Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 5, 8-17 For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Be very careful then how you will live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Ephesians 3:20-21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, WCPC. Let me just join with our staff in saying thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Tommy Branna. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm so excited to be able to continue on in week two of our series, I Surrender Some. Now, just want to direct your attention for a moment. Um, we are 
in this series through the month of November, and it is our stewardship series, and it also corresponds with our church's pledge campaign. And Pastor Bart produced this just great little helpful guide that gives a bit of an overview for this series, as well as explaining some of the pledge campaign, how it's going to work, the timing, some things to think through. Um, you all received one of these last week if you were here, but if you don't have one or you lost the one you had, they're available at the Connect table in the back. So just sort of want to uh, invite you to grab one of these because these are a really, really helpful guide through this series and through our pledge campaign. And Bart will talk a little bit more about the pledge campaign later in this uh, service today. Well, I don't know about you, but I would suspect that there are a few people who watch that like incredible little bumper video where you're cutting out the slice of pie, chopping off the dollar bill, and thought, that is hilarious, but couldn't I surrender none have been the punchline? Like, make the video, you pull back the whole pie, you keep the whole dollar for yourself. Like, it, there's a little part that's got to be saying, isn't I surrender some what we're supposed to do? Like, I set aside some of my money, some of my time, some of my talents, and I use those for God, right? Like, this video kind of makes me think I Surrender Some was the wrong plan, and I thought that was what we were supposed to walk in here with. So if you have that feeling at all, let me just set you at ease, put your hearts at rest a little bit. The goal of this series, as we talk about what it means to be people who surrender all, is not to convince you to surrender all to WCPC. <laughs> We do not want all of your time. We do not want all of your money. We do not want all of your talents. That wouldn't be good for anybody. We don't want you to take a vow of poverty. We don't want you to enter monastic life unless that is the Lord's particular call on your life. But instead, what we want to talk about in this series is how we think God has asked us to approach everything we have. And we think that that is with a mindset that says, we are people who surrender all. And here's how I would make that distinction. The I surrender some mindset would say, God, I am going to give some, and you can choose to do whatever you want with that part, right? So here's the thing I've set aside for you, and then the rest is mine, and I get to decide what I want to do with that. So some is for you, some is for me. And actually, what we really want to move towards, what we think Scripture calls us towards, is a view that says actually everything that we have was given to us by God. And we've been called to steward all of it for his purposes. So all of our time, all of our treasures, all of our talents, we want to give God a say in how those are used, both the ones that we give away and those that we use on ourselves, not our families. Like we think God should have voice in all of those. So all of it gets laid before God to say, what should I do with everything I have, Lord? So that's kind of what we're moving towards. And we genuinely believe that entrusting God with those things is a path towards the most peace-filled and joyful life that you can have, that it actually builds you into a sort of uh, overwhelmingly generous individual who will delight in that kind of life. So that is what we are hoping for. We are not seeking to get you to give everything you have to us here at WCPC. So uh, today we are going to be talking about our time and how is it that we entrust God with our time? What does it look like to steward our time? Last week, Bart kicked us off talking about our treasures. Today is time, and we're um, working out of this passage in Ephesians where we have a few statements by Paul that indicate to us why we should try and use our time in the way that God has asked us to. So let me just read a couple of the, um, some portions of the verses that we just had read by the Hints of Glues. So Paul says this, he says, walk as children of light 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And then Paul also says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. So the big idea here is that we should use our time in ways that please God. Our time is an avenue for stewardship. And as we explore that this morning, I really want to ask three questions. Uh, Here are three questions. We'll put them up on the screen. Number one, who should be in charge of my time? Number two, what does time entrusted to God look like? And number three, how do we entrust our time to God? And if you're thinking uh, questions two and three sort of give away the answer to number one, you would be correct about that, but we're still going to ask a question number one because I think it's important. So let's dive in. Question number one, who should be in charge of my time? And there's a lot of different people that I suppose we could put in the running for that position, but I just want to talk about two today. Um, Me, I could be in charge of my own time, you could be in charge of your own time, or God. So let's talk about ourselves first. Why me? What makes me a good candidate? Well, I would say it actually sort of innately makes sense to me that I should be the one in charge of my own time, and I would imagine you feel the same way. I mean, who is more knowledgeable about your likes, uh, your needs, your wants, the demands of your life? In my own life, I am deeply familiar with the schedule of the Golden State Warriors, which is really important for someone who's going to be in charge of my time. So I'm a pretty well-qualified individual to run my own time. Like, my resume looks pretty strong. I bet you feel the same. Okay, let me make a a counter-argument. I would say that most people I talk to about their schedules describe their schedule as though the blocks of their day got sold at a garage sale and it didn't go very well. Like the early arrivers at the garage sale were uh, phone calls with customer service representatives and like laundry and carpool and traffic and all kinds of time wasted on their phone, and those like gobbled up all of the premium hours of the day. And then at the end, when only kind of not that much time and not even the good hours were there, came like time with friends and rest and meals and hobbies. Like most people tend to talk as though the person running their time should get fired. We are not great advocates for our own caliber of time management. So perhaps we are not the best people to run our own schedules, but even if we acknowledge that, even if we don't feel like we're doing a great job, I would say there's still some hesitancy to say, well, I'm going to now entrust it to God. I'll let him do the job. And I would say that there's some understandable nervousness about that. There are some good reasons to say, perhaps I don't want to put God in charge of my schedule, even if I'm not doing a great job. And I think a lot of the reasons for that can be tied into some of our perceptions of who God is, what he's like, and what he might do with our schedules if we actually entrusted them to him. So for example, you know, if you have a view of God as someone who is harsh and demanding, well, that's not exactly someone that you want to trust your schedule to, right? Is a harsh and demanding God ever going to put a vacation on my calendar? I'm not sure. Um, If you have a view of God that says, you know, God seems honestly kind of boring, like he's just sort of dull, do I want to entrust my calendar to someone who's kind of boring? Is he just going to make me sit around with harps and hymns and in prayer all day? Like, would a boring God put a dinner party on my calendar? 
Or maybe you have a view of God that says, you know, he's great and all, but he's kind of out of touch with 2022. I don't think God knows that much. Like, can I entrust my time to someone who may or may not understand email? Or maybe you view God as someone who's just kind of disinterested or abstract or out there. And then the question would be, if I entrust my schedule to God, am I going to be perpetually living in the reality of that feeling where you're at the grocery store and you text someone at home, do we have milk? And then you wander around for 10 minutes waiting for the answer. The answer doesn't come. You buy the milk. You get in the car. Then the text comes, yes, we have plenty of milk. (laughs) Is that what trusting your schedule to God would mean? You were perpetually getting information just late enough to let you know that you got it wrong because that sounds miserable. So there's a lot of reasons that we might say, I don't want to entrust my schedule to God. That's not really the way I want it to be. But I would actually say that each of those is rooted in an understandable potential fear about who God might be, but none of those actually correspond to who God really is. And even in the book of Ephesians, we hear this from Paul. And um, as Bart was speaking last week, we just got to hear some incredibly rich passages about how God loves us and cares for us. But here, this is what Paul says. He says, Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And last week, we also heard how Christ loves us with a love that is high and deep and wide and long, like his care for us is unbelievable. And what I would want to specify here, too, is it's not just that God has a deep love for us and a concern for us, but his care for us is deeply practical as well. One of the ways that Jesus describes himself and his relationship with us is as a good shepherd. He says, I care for you as a shepherd would care for his sheep. And this draws on an image that David uses in Psalm 23, where he describes God as a shepherd. And if you just think about what a shepherd does, a shepherd loves and cares for his sheep and is also a deeply practical person. A shepherd knows that sheep need food and water and shelter and medical care. It knows that they need rest. Like there is a care that actually relates to and corresponds to the daily reality of what it is to be a sheep. And this, Jesus says, is how I care for my people. I love them, I'm concerned for them, and I understand their daily reality. This even shows up as you see Jesus teaching his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? This is a prayer that asks God for sort of a whole host of things, and embedded in that are some really practical asks. So we ask God for our daily bread. We ask him for uh, vision, for guidance, for leading, for wisdom, right? Like, this is a prayer that Jesus says you can ask God about what is going on. And finally, we have this passage where Jesus tells his followers that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, which means God's goal is not to crush us, it is not to run us ragged, but it's actually to lead us into a place of joy. So the case that I'm trying to make here is that we actually, despite the fears we may have about entrusting God with our schedule, can trust God with our schedule because we have a God who is good and kind, who is attentive to us, and who is practical. He knows what it is to be a person. He knows what we need, and he will guide us in those ways. So, question number one, who should be in charge of my time? I would contend, and scripture would contend, that God should be entrusted with our time. Okay, well then, practically speaking, great, Tommy, that's, I've come with you this far, but question number two, 
What does the schedule entrusted to God look like? How is that any different than a schedule that is not entrusted to God? And this is, again, a place where I think what Paul writes in Ephesians is super helpful for us. And what we're going to see is that, in all honesty, a schedule that is entrusted to God is going to have a lot of similarity to one that isn't. There's going to be many things that are present in both. Trusting your schedule to God doesn't get you out of traffic. It doesn't get you out of laundry. It doesn't get you out of shopping. Like, sadly, it's not a magical fix to the tasks you don't want. But what you are going to see is that there is a qualitative difference. And here's how Paul puts this. He says, walk as children of light, so live, spend your time as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And I think what this is saying is that a schedule which has been entrusted to God is going to bear fruit that is good and right and true. It will produce these qualities in your life. So again, what does that look like? That's a little bit ethereal. Well, As we look across Scripture, and in particular as we look at Jesus' life, we see that there are certain things that God fixes in the schedules and time of those who love Him and follow Him. These become kind of the locked-in pieces, and there's more than I'm going to talk about today, but let let me just share a few. So people who have their time entrusted to God have rest as a fixture. Sleep and Sabbath are key components of how God describes uh, a healthy, God-honoring schedule. And to be honest, in my life, I have a tendency to sort of flex out rest and sleep to fill other stuff in. But a schedule entrusted to God is going to be one where those rest pieces, where Sabbath and sleep are fixed, and other things bend and flex to make sure that they still exist. Um, A few more examples. Time entrusted to God has time with Him as a fixture. That's going to be time in prayer, time in Scripture, time in worship. God wants to make sure that your schedule has places in it where you get to meet with Him and be reminded of His love for you, His care for you, uh, where He can do a little of that encouraging and also a little bit of that telling you what's on your bottom, right? That is fixed in your schedule with God. And I can be a person who will flex that time out. I do not miss morning coffee. I do sometimes miss morning prayer, right? Like I, when I'm busy. So that's just the reality. But God is going to put those uh, times with him fixed in your schedule and other stuff will flex around it. Time entrusted to God is going to have relationships as a fixture, right? God has made us for relationship. We talked about this a lot in our last series, but time with friends and family, time with your uh, church body are going to be fixed in your schedule and other things will bend. And I'll again say that often when I'm busy and when I'm kind of overwhelmed and stressed by life, relational time can go. I've got too many tasks to get done, but that's not how God orders our schedule. And then finally, last example, but there's more that you can find if you um, just kind of look through Scripture. But a schedule entrusted to God will be full of service to others. And I would say that doesn't necessarily mean formally volunteering somewhere, although it can. But God has made us to be people who love our neighbors. He says, what's the most important commandment? To love the Lord your God. And then the second most is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so a schedule that's been entrusted to God is going to have loving and serving others as a fixture. It will happen. You'll be able to look back over your week and see how you've spent yourself on behalf of others. And again, when I'm in charge of my own time, I am quick to prioritize my needs to make sure that all the things that I need taken care of are taken care of before I serve others. But God flips that on its head. 
So really what a schedule entrusted to God looks like is one in which these core pieces sort of get priority. They fill it up first and other things flex. Not because those things are necessarily bad, but just because they are less important. So you might find yourself having watched less of Netflix, had less time on your phone, had uh, honestly relationship with less people. But what trusting your schedule to God will look like is a life that leads to joy and peace. It will bear that fruit that Paul talks about, that which is good and right and true. Like these are the priorities set by a good, gracious, and practical God. So that brings us to our last question. How do we entrust our time to God? If we want that kind of schedule, if we want those pieces fixed, if we want to let him set our priorities, how do we do that? What does that look like? And I just want to give two pieces of advice here at the end, sort of two calls for us. And the first one, again, comes right out of this passage in Ephesians. Paul tells us to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. He says, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you want to know what a schedule entrusted to God looks like, a schedule that reflects God's heart and priorities and cares and concerns look like, you have to know God. You have to be able to discern his heart and his mind and his will. So you've got to be able to spend time with him. That means having that time in prayer, sitting quietly before him and asking and listening. It means opening up the pages of scripture and reading and seeing what is it that God says is valuable? What are the things that should come first? How do we balance that? It means joining in worship where others can say, man, you seem like you're run a little ragged these days. Do you think maybe you might want to, uh, you know, think about how your schedule is being put together, right? It means having that body of the uh, church around you to speak into it. And, you know, I think the Hintzegluth talked about this so well in um, their video. Life has its own realities and it has its own seasons, a schedule entrusted to God is not going to look the same if you have young kids as it does if you're retired, as it does if you are in third grade, right? There's different priorities and different needs at different times. So this is not to say there's one size fits all schedule, but God is going to keep these big priorities in place for you no matter what age you are and no matter what stage you're in. But you have to spend time with God listening and discerning, getting to know his will for your time. So that's the first one. Try to discern, spend time with God, listen to him, ask him. And then here's the second one. Um, you have to make changes. The reality is your time is something that is actively lived. It is the result of the choices that you're going to make about how to spend that time. So if you want a schedule that reflects God's priorities more, you're going to have to make decisions that are more reflective of God's priorities for your schedule. So again, no expectation here that we're all going to come back next Sunday and be like, hey, we did it. Check it off. We've all got schedules that are perfectly reflective of God's will for our time. So amazing. Um, some of these changes could start tomorrow. Some of them might take months. Some of them honestly might take years to roll in to becoming a part of your life. But you have to actually start making changes. Commit to doing things that give you a schedule that are more reflective of God's values for your time. So a couple, just a couple of examples, some helpful suggestions. If you have no time of Sabbath in your life, if you're taking no regular rest, start somewhere. Pick two hours on a weekend afternoon. Pick an hour before work. I don't know, find some time where you can turn your phone off, where you can have rest, where you can be present with God. Start with some measure of Sabbath. 
Um, if you're not regularly meeting with God, if you just say, yeah, you know, those times with him actually don't happen, uh, commit to five minutes of prayer with God while you're having your morning coffee. Commit to upping your Sunday worship attendance by one a month. Come here one extra time each month to be with your church body. Um, Commit to finding some time to meet regularly with God. This is a tough one, but if you are too overscheduled, right, if you're hearing this and you're like, there's no chance. When the next round of signups for sports or activities come up, don't just sign up for everything. Pause, wait, think. Does something need to get cut? What kind of schedule are all of these signups going to create? Can I say no to something that's maybe always been an automatic yes? And then actually say no, right? Create that space somewhere in your schedule. Because again, ultimately, to experience the life that God has called you into, you have to trust Him with your time, and that has to make its way into your decision making. So, who should be in charge of our time? There's a good case for us, but we really, it should be God. And we can trust God to do that role because he is good and kind and gracious and generous and attentive to the daily needs of our lives. And we get to know his will for us by spending time with him, by listening to him, and then through the power of the Spirit by actually making decisions that bring that out into our lives. And what we will find is the joy of generous stewardship of our time, of joy and peace and goodness. So let me pray to us, pray for us to that end, and Bart's going to come lead us at the table. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you have entrusted us with our time. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to trust you more and more with our time and with our schedules. We ask that you would help us to know your will, to know your priorities, and that you would help us to fix in place those things which are most important and be willing to bend and flex those things that should have lower priority. And Lord, uh, I just ask that you would give us some clear and practical steps that could help us start to reshape our time in ways that honor you and serve you well. We love you so much. Amen.